0: Um, Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we'll take our text from this morning. If you will, the title of the message today is Salvation. But just kind of go through what it takes to be saved. And uh, I'm excited about this morning's message. There's some some thoughts or some ideas I'd like to share with you this morning. But Acts chapter number 2. Well, as we've been studying this, this chapter, uh, Peter has begun to start preaching in uh, verse number 14, and he addresses them, and we talked about what he preached, Acts chapter 2, and uh, Peter begins to preach in verse number 14, he lifts up his voice and begins to be heard, and uh, as he's speaking, as he is speaking there, uh, he, he begins to preach and he begins to quote the book of Joel and uh, the prophet Joel and, and uh, begins to give some thoughts about what he said in Joel. And then he goes straight into the patriarch David and begins to talk about what David prophesied in the book of Psalms. And, uh, and like I said last week, and I said it last week, and I really did not know the depth of, of David uh, being prophetic, and he was, and there were multiple chapters in the book of Psalms that David was prophesying of what was to take, what was to take place, and we see it in this sermon as Peter preaches. Well, in verse number 37, through verse number 40, is where there's three verses this morning, but Peter draws the net, if you will. Uh, this net that he's been preaching, he's been preaching. Uh, if, you've, uh, if you understand, understand, if, you're, if you give a speech or if you give a lesson before, you always got to try to draw the net at the end. Uh, there's a reason why you draw the net is so that you can spur people to make a decision, spur people to do something different. And so what Peter does is now he's drawing the net. Because what he's preached is Jesus is the answer. What he's preached is Jesus was who he said he was. See, at this time, and, and still goes on today, people do not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Now look, and whether they believe it or not, or whether the, 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 those that listen or believe it or not, it doesn't change the fact that it's so. Jesus was who he said he was. Jesus was and is the Son of God. That's who he is and was. Peter's drawing that net. Let's read together. Let's all stand if you can. In verse number 37. In verse number 37, the Bible says, Now when they heard this, what did they hear? They heard the message. They heard the preaching. They heard it. When they heard this, they were pricked. In their hearts, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? I like that response. Hey, hey, I heard what you said, but now what do we got to do about it? Verse number 38 Peter makes a statement. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children. And to all that are afar are, are off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'm glad his call isn't limited. Huh? His call for whosoever will isn't limited. From in this verse, he said, For the promise are to those who are far off, to those who live in Africa, to those who live in India, to those who live in America. The call is afar off. The call isn't limited. Yeah. What does that mean, Brother Trenton? Salvation isn't limited. It's not limited. It's not for a certain sect of people. It's for all mankind. It's for all. I like that. And verse number 40, he ends. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I pray, dear God, that you would use me, give me the words to say, the ability to say it. But Lord, also, I pray that if there's one in here today that needs to make a decision about you, that today would be the day. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. In Acts chapter number 2, in verse number 37, we see... The beginning of the message, or the beginning of what takes place. Number one, uh, when salvation comes, there needs to be conviction. You say, What do you mean, conviction? And in verse number 37, now when they heard this, they heard the message, they heard the preaching that Jesus was the answer, they heard that Jesus was the answer for salvation, (coughs) their heart, was pricked. What does it mean to be pricked? I don't know about you, but I've been to the doctor and I've had my shot and it doesn't feel very good when the needle is pressed into your arm. Uh, get your tetanus shot, and get, your, get all your shots you, gotta, you have to get. Um, hey, it doesn't feel the best to be pricked on the arm. Or when you're working on something and you slam it against something and it pierces the skin. It doesn't feel very good when blood begins to run. Listen, when they were sitting in that seat, uh, as they listened to Peter preach, uh, their heart was pierced. Their heart was pricked. Their heart was under conviction. That's what was taking place. If you've ever been in a service before, and the preacher has preached, or the song has been sung, or whatever it was in the service, and the Holy Spirit of God began to work inside of you and begin to speak to you, that is the pricking and the piercing of the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter number four and verse number 12, "For the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing." The Word of God is a piercing agent. You say, how in the world were they pierced? How in the world were they pricked? Because David, Peter was quoting the Bible. He went back to the Bible and quoted uh, Joel. He went back to the Bible and quoted David. And there they set the Holy Spirit of God. Began to pierce their heart. I remember... As a 12-year-old boy, I went to church. And I came to church. My dad was a preacher. He wasn't the pastor at the time, but he was a preacher. He had been pastoring for a little over two years. And we had went to church. He, He was no longer pastoring at that time, but he was the youth pastor working as an assistant pastor with the church. And we went to church. And I remember sitting in that pew... And I remember listening. I remember listening to the sermon. And all I could hear was, Trenton, you need to get saved. And I remember getting up out of my pew and walking out and leaving church. And I remember the next service Sunday night would come. And I remember sitting in my pew and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit began to prick. Trenton, you need to get saved. And I got up and I left church. The Next service time came. Guess What? The same message. The, the man was preaching wherever he was preaching. He was preaching through the Bible, and it didn't matter what message I was hearing. It didn't matter what scripture he was preaching out of. Inside of my heart, inside of my inside of me was said, hey, Trenton, you need to get saved. June fourteenth. Two days. Two days. Nineteen ninety eight. I sat in a church service, on a Sunday night church service, and I sat in church, and the preacher preached on hell. I remember it vividly. I don't have a good memory, I really don't. You can ask my wife. I don't remember anything. I, I really don't, I don't re- I'm not good at remembering things. But I remember it like it was yesterday. I sat in the church service. I can't remember if it was the first row or the second row. On the right, on this side, And the preacher preached on hell. And God spoke to my heart loud. I I, I remember it just being louder than it ever had been before. Trenton, get saved! Get saved! Get saved! I remember sitting there and refusing to move, refusing to get up out of my seat. Uh, 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 Nope. I'm the preacher's kid. Everybody will laugh. What is this kid doing up here? I left church that Sunday night. And I went home and I laid in my bed. We ate supper and I went to bed. And I tossed and I turned in my bed, afraid I was going to go to hell. And I got up out of my seat, out of my bed, and I ran to my parents' room. I was close to midnight. I woke my mama, I shook my mama, I said, Mama, listen. I need to get saved. Amen. And there I knelt beside my mama's bed and I asked the Lord to save me. But I'm gonna tell you, there's not one person in here that's ever been saved. <clears throat> you didn't, you got saved because something inside of you pricked your yeah. heart Amen. and said, Come. And see, what I may say to you is you're setting out there today and the Holy Spirit of God has been convicting you and has been working on you and you're saying no and you're saying resist it and you're saying I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen no more. Don't resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Don't resist it. See, it also comes to salvation is conviction. The the (coughs) Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all men should come into repentance. See, God, the the atonement, the blood, the salvation is available to every single person in this room. And so the call has been given to everyone. What are you going to do with the call? What are you going to do with the conviction on your life? Maybe you're sitting out there today and it's not conviction over salvation, but it's conviction over sin. You're doing something you know you ought not to do. If you're looking over your shoulder, making sure there ain't nobody watching, you shouldn't do it. Amen. Yeah. You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't wear that. You shouldn't drink that. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, that's right. yeah. You shouldn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. The Holy Spirit of God's convicted you. You need to get that. That's the conviction. Everybody in this room. I want you to be honest with me. Do not raise your hand, but I want you to be honest with me. Have you ever been convicted of sin? Now, what did you do with it? What did you do with it? What did you do with the sin that you were convicted of? What did you do with the conviction on your life that said for you to get saved? What did you do with it? Because this people, in verse number 37, they come to Peter. I love it. I love what they say to Peter. In verse number 37, he said, brethren, he said, what shall we do? Hey, what are we going to do, Peter? This pricking, this conviction. What do I need to do? And Peter says, let me tell you what you need to do. Number one, Number two in the message. Number one in his message: repent. Repent. In verse number thirty-eight, Peter said unto them, "Repent." Now, if you say, "Why did he use those words?" the the word "repent," the word "repent" means to to feel pain and sorrow and regret for something you've done or spoken. That's what repent means. Well, why did Peter say to repent? You know why Peter told them to repent? Because it was at their hands. Their hands crucified Jesus. Their hands put Him on the cross. Those people who were listening to Peter preach were the ones who killed Jesus, who denied Him, who made sure He went to the grave. They were the ones that made him do that. You say, "Well, what does this have to do with me? Repent. You need to repent. If you have come under conviction to be saved, the thing you need to do is to repent. Yes. Repentance is part of salvation. Well, what does that mean? You need to feel pain and sorrow over what? What sin do I need to repent of? Well, I'm glad you asked. See, a lot of people think that when you get saved, you've got to list all your sins that you've done. Boy, that list would be way too long. Yeah. 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 Well, I've done this, and I've been there, and I shouldn't have done this, and I said that, and I did this, and I did this. And it's too long for you to list. There's one sin. I'm going to tell you, there's one sin right now that will keep you out of heaven. That's right. One sin that will keep you out of heaven. And that's the sin you need to confess. That's the sin you need to repent of. That's, right. that's the sin you need to have sorrow about. That's the sin you need to have pain about. Yeah. What's that sin, brother Trenton? Unbelief. Yeah. Unbelief. Yeah, it's a sin not to believe in Jesus. There has to be a day in your life when you are sitting there and conviction comes and you kneel before, maybe maybe you didn't kneel, maybe you can't kneel. You go before God and you confess your sin, your sin of unbelief, and ask God to forgive you of that Sin Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's what we need to do. We need to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You say, what is that? Repent. You're choosing no longer to believe that it's your works that take you to heaven. See, what did they need to repent of? Their choice of unbelief. Why did they murder Jesus? If they were to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, they wouldn't have put Him on the cross. Did Peter choose to put Him on the cross? Did, did John, the beloved, choose to put Him on the cross? No, it was those who did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. So, I'm going to tell you, it's the same message that is still today that we need to repent of our unbelief to go to heaven. You cannot go to heaven unless you repent of your unbelief. It's Jesus. It's not your good works. It's not your baptism. Hey, in this scripture, it doesn't say, "Hey, if you got to go to heaven, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to be a good person. You got to do." No, it says repent. Is that not what it says? You know, a lot of people have taken this verse and have lifted it out of context. A lot of people have taken this verse and made it say something it doesn't. But this verse tells me Peter tells them that they must repent and be baptized, not. As of salvation, because you say, why? Because if you'll read every scripture, Ephesians chapter two and verse eight, for by grace are you saved through faith. Uh, John fourteen six six says, uh, <clears throat> Jesus saith unto them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. For by grace are you saved through faith, not by baptism, not by works, not by being a church member, not by being anything else. But Peter was trying to emphasize the point. You must repent and be baptized so everybody will know that you believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So may I say to you in this, in this world today. May I say to you it still hasn't changed. Salvation. First there has to be conviction. Two there needs to be uh, you repenting of your sins. And third you need to be Baptized. You say, what do you mean? And to be baptized. Why? So that everybody will know Amen. that you repented of your sin. This was a public way of showing everybody that you had been saved. Amen. You say, Brother Trent, are you telling me that's what I need to do if I've been saved? That's exactly Amen. what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. He says, for every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of sins... Baptism does not give you remission of sins. Right. Baptism doesn't wash away your sins. When you come up out of the water, your sins aren't laying in the water. When you come up from praying asking Jesus to save you, He took your sins away. That's right yeah. Reach Baptism is nothing more than to show everyone else you're a follower of yeah. Jesus. That's right. Amen. That's it. So I ask you, have you asked Christ to save you? If you have, the next thing you do is you need to be baptized. Because, so everyone will know that you're a believer in Jesus. Do you realize how important it was in the beginning for them to be baptized? Why? So that everyone would know that they believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Why? Is it any different today? No. What does it mean to be baptized? And, uh, and you look in Acts chapter number 8, uh, when uh, Ethiopian eunuch <coughs> went down there, the Bible says that he went down into the water. Huh? Uh, baptism is something that's full immersion, all the way under, all the way up. And you say, why is baptism that way? Corinthians tells us best. It is for, to represent what Jesus did for us. It is the The cross, the burial, and the resurrection. And to walk, as Romans says, to walk in newness of life. Baptism is a representation of what Jesus did on the cross. It does not wash away your sins. It doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't certify anything other than you've been saved. If you've been saved, what do you need to do? Be baptized. Now... That's pretty simple, isn't it? When I got saved, He washed my sins away. He washed them all away. And I got baptized to show everybody what Jesus did for me. A public profession. You'll see in the next verse, in verse number 41, You'll see how many got saved and how many got baptized. But we're going there next week and I'm not going to preach on that today. Repentance and baptism are associated together. Now, lastly, number, f- number four. He draws the net with this conclusion, if you will. So the conclusion is this. Judgment is coming. Verse number 40, he says, And when, and with many other words, he did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. That word untoward means corrupt. That word untoward means perverse. That word untoward means wicked. You know what was getting ready to happen to the Jews here, in just a little bit, they were going to go into captivity. Peter was preaching to them, telling them they must repent because captivity is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment came for the Jews. And may I say to you, listen, you need to if you've been convicted, then you need to repent. And if you've repented, then you need to be saved because judgment. Is coming. You know, one day, one day, listen to me, one day, everyone in this room will stand before a judge. And you won't be able to call the finest of lawyers to get you out of it. And they're not going to dismiss you because your case wasn't good enough. You're going to stand before a righteous judge along with me. And we will stand before God and give an account for how we've lived our lives. If you have repented, if you've been saved, then you will stand before God and give an account for the life you lived and the house. You built, 1 Corinthians tells us that. Yes. Yeah. But I, the scariest part about all of that is that one day, if you've never repented, there'll be a separate judgment for you. It's called the white throne judgment. And anybody who's ever not repented and anybody who's never come to Jesus and anybody who refuses to get saved will stand before the same judge as me. What is your name? Let's look for it. Nope, it's not here. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know you not. And cast him into hell. Next up. Nope. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know you not. And cast him into hell. Then, a judgment day coming if you have never repented if you have never asked Christ to save you, today is the day of your salvation hey, you say well I'm not sure I'd go to heaven, you better get it settled because that's a scary day to play with, oh man maybe I will Uh, maybe I won't Uh, no, it is a certain thing that you will stand before a righteous judge, as a Christian you'll stand before him and give an account for your life, and as a lost person You'll stand before the righteous judge. Hey! And guess what? At that point, when you're standing before the judge, it is too late. Turn, corrupt generation, turn! He said, get out, untoward generation. <coughs> you'll be at one or two judgments. Now, I personally believe, just my personal opinion, I feel, as a Christian, I'll have to watch the second judgment. I'll have to watch it. I believe that I'll be an audience. As I'm standing there in the corner, and there's my friend that I never told about Jesus. I don't know if he'll glance over and look at me eye to eye and say, why didn't you tell me? You knew? You knew all along? And you didn't tell me? It's the last time you'll ever see him. As they look you square in the eye. I I don't know if that'll happen. The Bible says in the next couple verses, when it talks about that judgment, that He'll wipe away all our tears. And the reason I feel like that will happen, because we'll have tears. Over people, over family, over cousins and nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles. We'll have to watch at the second judgment. Because we never lifted our voice. We never told them about Jesus. We never once told them about the upcoming judgment. We never once told them how to be saved. Judgment for everybody is inevitable. Inevitable for me. and for you so let me ask you this let me ask you this and I'm done what judgment will you be setting at and who will you have to watch that you never told I personally have uncles, cousins, that I know that unless something's changed in their life, they'll be at that judgment. What is Trenton going to do about that? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to spread the gospel. Lord, I ask if there's one in here today that doesn't know for sure that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be their day. Lord, I also ask if there's one in here today that's been saved and never been baptized. Lord, I pray that they'd make that decision today. Lord, I pray maybe there's someone who's been saved and baptized, but they've never asked or joined the church. I pray that they would join the church.